welcome back to Beyond the Bar podcast. I'm your host, Denise Tova, and today we talk football. Yes, you heard me right. And I'm ready to quarterback today's episode with our all-star lineup. So in one corner, uh, we've got Glenn Liebman with KLG Business Valuators and Forensic Accountants, LLC. He's a forensic accountant who tackles numbers like a Minnesota Viking on Blitz. Then... Charging in with the intensity of a final quarter drive, we have Jeff Catterson, a.k.a. the Legal Raider, and Michael Lofermento soaring high with the Jets, both powerhouse attorneys with Stample Catterson Lofermento Carlson Biondo LLP Law Firm. So, you know, today, uh, guys, let's swap your cases for football and dive into the game where every play is about passion, it's about strategy, and the thrill of the chase. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. Be here. I guess I get you a little startled. <laughs> so, hey, um, well, today we're diving deep into the heart of being a super fan. And, you know, I will challenge you with some fun questions to make you think outside of the box. Why? Because all of you fans out there, you cheer for your team one hot second and then shitting on them the next. So, but none of you are there in the dirt, <laughs> playing, taking it from the coaches and the fans. So today it's tough love and I'm going to put your butts in the dirt. So. Let me start with a question for each of you. Um, so take us back to the moment in history that turned you into your team's super fan. Why don't you introduce your team and share the moment that made you bleed your team colors. And let's start with Jeff. All right. So clearly I'm a Raiders fan and I would have to go back to 76. One of the first football games I watched was the Steelers versus the then Oakland Raiders. And those games were legendary. That's when football, there was no protecting the quarterback. There was no uh, protecting the receivers. They played and they hit hard. So seeing that style of football as a young kid made me fall in love with the sport and the Raiders with their brand of football. Hmm. Michael. Honestly, I do not have a memory where the Jets aren't in it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, sitting on the lap of my father, you know, watching the Jets on, uh, you know, Channel 4. I mean, that that's really what it was about. Uh, in 1982, I wrote a letter to Richard Todd, and uh, he was my guy. He, he was my favorite player. He responded with a lot of memorabilia. So. Wow. I have a fond wow. spot for him. Wow, that's such a cool memory. Um, Glenn, what about you? Boy, mine's pretty interesting because when um, people ask me, are you a Jet fan or you're a Giant fan? They naturally assume New York, I'm going to be one of the home teams. And then when I respond that I'm a lifelong Minnesota Viking fan, wearing my purple, they ask me, well, how did you become a Viking fan living in New York? your whole life. And, you know, did you live there? Did your parents live there? The answer to those questions is no. And I don't have a specific memory as a kid saying, you know what, I'm going to cheer for the Vikings. 
The only memory that I have, surprise, surprise, has to actually do with clothing. And I do remember when I was about eight or nine years <laughs> old, going shopping with my mom for back to school clothing. And I remember having one of those varsity jackets, you know, with the felt jacket and the leather sleeves. And my mom wasn't afraid of putting an eight-year-old boy in purple and got me a Minnesota Viking purple varsity jacket. And I just remember having that and then that's it. I just remember my entire childhood, uh, adolescence, teenagerhood, painful 40 years of being, 45 years of being a Minnesota Viking fan. So that's my memory. I can tell you, Denise, uh, he didn't, yeah. I didn't know that story and I could have predicted it was because it brought out the color of his eyes. <laughs> wore clothing. Anybody out there watching this, if you know why I wear purple ties a lot, now you kind of know. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag now. <laughs> Figured it has to do with clothing. Yeah. Wow. This is, uh, you know, and, and I'm sorry, it sounds like it's a little bit of a painful memory too these days. Um, so let, let's talk, let's have some fun and, and, and talk game rituals. Um, Michael, after after a tough loss, do you have like a go-to ritual or routine just to, to shake up the bad vibes and reset for the next game? No, you know, as a Jet fan, you know usually by the end of the first quarter that the game might not necessarily be going your way. <laughs> so you begin to prepare yourself. You go through all the stages of death in that <laughs> game. So, so by the time I get to the fourth quarter, I'm typically okay. All right. And then I'll come in the next morning and I'll see Jeff and I'll lament to him for an hour, you know, before we get at it. <laughs> we unfortunately lament to each other too often. Yeah, that's, that's a and problem. If I was in their right office, there. I'd be lamenting right along with them most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, good, good question. Actually, Jeff, what about you on a scale from being like just a casual watcher to I yell at the TV? I mean, how intense does it, does your living room get during these, during these games? I've gotten a lot better because of my girls, because they'll watch <laughs> me and, you know, Back in the day, you'd be screaming or yelling for the stupidity of the Raiders. And then you'd have your 12-year-old daughter stare at you like, what's wrong with you? And then after a while, you're like, hmm, they've got a point. Maybe I should tone this down a little bit. And especially since we've had a lot of primetime games and they go to bed and now, you know, it's 1030 at night. You really can't be screaming at the TV at that point. Um, <laughs> and I think I've gotten a lot better with, you know, I'm older. What the hell is my problem at the end of the day? It's a football game. Glenn, I have, I have one for you here. If you, if you had to choose a lucky charm to wear during games, and it had to be some bizarre household item, what would it be? Boy, that's a great question. <laughs> I'm picturing stuff right now, Glenn. I mean, this could be anything. I know. I'm thinking around the house. I, I really, I. That's a tough one. I don't well, know. Outside of the house. I, I Forget about the house. I don't, I don't know. I'd probably, well, I've gotten into comic books lately. I'd probably grab my favorite comic book 
that I have. And I'd hold that figuring, hopefully it's going to be a lucky charm for me and the team. So we'd see how that goes, but I'm not sure even Superman these days could help the Vikings, <laughs> though I'm hoping they get Superman in the draft. So. Yeah. So no, no change for you, like Kirk Cousins. <laughs> none of none of that. No, no. I I gave up my gold herringbone chains in uh, 1989. <laughs> <laughs> See, the secrets are coming out. There, there won't be any when 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 we're done. Um, yeah. Michael, every Jets fan has that sack moment of disbelief. What what's yours? And how wild was the scene at your place? Well, there are two because I'm still suffering from PTSD from 1999. <laughs> and the same thing happened this year in the first game of the season <laughs> to a quarterback when we thought we were actually going to the Super Bowl. So, uh, that moment still resonates from 99 when, when <laughs> Justin already went down with the torn Achilles. Uh, and it was deja vu all over again when Rodgers went down. And my son, who's turning 15 in a couple of weeks, when Rodgers went down, he turned to me, dead silence in the, in the house. And he just turned to me and he goes, we are cursed. And then that was it. <laughs> that was it. And we sat there in stunned silence for the next, you know, 20 minutes. The Jets won that game. And they played really well with the yep. kickoff. Return. So it was an exciting game. And in true Jet fashion, we were like, well, maybe we'll still have a season. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. No. That's just, yeah, they, they get you all hopeful. And then it's like going up, going up, and then. Okay, let's let's get back to the reality. Jeff, you know, I know Raiders games can be a roller coaster. Um, so what was your uh, most hair pulling moment? Oh, I'm sure Glenn and Michael can answer that for me. I still haven't gotten <laughs> over it. It's the tough rule. Snow falling, I mean, perhaps. Clearly, yes. it's the tough rule. <laughs> so Jessica was born that next night. I'm watching the game in the hospital. Raiders versus the Patriots AFC wildcard game in 02 and snowstorm. I mean, it's great watching football, snow, perfect football game. Charles Woodson comes in, strip sacks, Brady, Beakett recovers it. We're cheering, going to win the game. And yeah, not so much. <laughs> it was ruled not a fumble, the tough rule. Patriots go to tie the game and win it in overtime. That's the beginning of their dynasty. And we've sucked the last 20 years. <laughs> the curse of Tom Brady. Yeah. The Jets have that curse too. <laughs> the whole league does. Yes, you do. A little bit more, unfortunately. <laughs> wow. Uh, Glenn, every fan has that one fumble moment with their team, obviously. So what's your, what's your most frustrating Vikings game memory and how... <laughs> How would people around you who witnessed your reaction describe your meltdown? Well, you assumed you had a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Well, nah. 
To be honest, uh, you would need a mini series of Beyond the Bark podcast for me to go through the of this purple team for the last, oh my God, since their existence. Um, th there's, there's a lot. And anybody who's watching and my two brothers of football misery know the history of my team too. There's, a, there's, there's several, but the most is, is 1998 season going into 99. The Vikings were 15 and one, the best team in the league for sure, the highest scoring team ever. And um, they were one kick away from winning the NFC championship game and going to the Super Bowl. And I was gonna go and was basically saying, let's pack the bags and go. And our kicker who had not missed a field goal the entire season and had a very makeable 38 yard field goal missed it <laughs> and the other team the falcons came down scored and then won in overtime and uh yeah i was pretty crushed um you know it's 25 years ago and i figured well you know maybe we'll get back but it just hasn't happened so how did i i don't remember what the meltdown was i'm sure it wasn't pretty uh <laughs> but uh yeah that that's the biggest one because that was the best team Right, guys. Probably that that was that was the yeah. Randy Moss rookie year. And that was a great team. That team, yeah, that team. They're still known, even though they didn't even go to the Super Bowl, is probably better than a lot of Super Bowl winning teams because they were so good. So that was very disappointing, frustrating, and uh, yeah, that was tough. Mm. Still feeling the pain, I bet. Um, like Michael said, PTSD. All right. Um, Here's let, let's try something else. And I, what I want you to do is I want you each to think about a question uh, for uh, for your friends there when when you get done answering this question. Um, so, Jeff, um, let me think about this one. OK, which which Raiders legend would you bring back for one final drive in a Super Bowl and how would they change the game? Mm. That's good. That's a good. That, that is. I mean, I can think of so many because we have so many needs in our team. Um, but I, I would go, and this may be shocking. I'd bring Jim Plunkett back. He won two Super Bowls for us. He was a castaway from the Patriots, and he was able to be the glue of those two Super Bowl teams, in my opinion. Him and Tom Flores. So I think. That's what we're lacking. Hopefully Antonio Pierce is that glue for us now. But if I, if we brought back Plunkett, that would give us stability on the offensive side, I would think. That doesn't surprise me. I thought actually you'd say Stabler, but Plunkett's a good I was one thinking about him, but you got to figure one versus two Super Bowls. Um, he was more of a castaway Plunkett, I think. I mean, unfortunately, Stabler went to the Oilers at the end, but... Um, yeah, it would definitely the quarterback position to solidify our team. If I could jump in real quick, Jeff yeah. actually doesn't belong in this this misery thing. Why is that? Glenn? Yeah, <laughs> he's just talking about one Super Bowl, two Super Bowls, three Super Bowls. Right, right. He's and, just and, talking. And, and yeah, what is it? Four Super, three, four Super Bowls. We won three. We've been to five. Our first one was against the Vikings. Yes, I know First that. Out. I'm aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he doesn't feel the real pain. 
No, didn't need to Jets kick him out. Super Bowl. The, the Vikings have <laughs> never won a Super Bowl. Been to four, lost all. The Jets have been to one, lost. But you know, I was an infant then, and I, we, you know, so Jets qualify with the Vikings for sure. Hey, look, the, the Jets won a Super Bowl. I just wasn't alive. <laughs> I know. I was uh, three weeks old. <laughs> Michael needs Joe Namath to pass away so that curse goes away. Mm. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Michael. Yeah. So, what about Denise you? Denise may not know talk? about that. What is the curse of what is the curse he, he's, that Jeff's talking about? Thank you. Good point. What is it? Uh, it you know, Joe Namath has has been a, a huge critic of the New York Jets. You know, he's very vocal and comes out uh, you know about management. That time's not very supportive, you know, of the quarterbacks who who are there. Uh, so. You know, much like the the uh, Yankee fan who thought that the, there was a Don Mattingly curse, um, you know, uh, Joe Namath, if he's still around, he might be rooting against us to get to that Super Bowl. <laughs> why? Why are you giving him so much power? Because he guaranteed it. He threw his yeah. finger up and guaranteed. See, there's it. a there's a superstition. So you and better get like rabbit foot or something hung on your keychain or <laughs> use some i don't know but yeah whatever it's known to be that the guarantee that he made only entitles that one super bowl ever right <laughs> yep one no wonder you guys are so crazed believing in this well michael if you could teleport one jets icon to score a super bowl winning touchdown who would that be uh, probably going to go with my favorite Jet of all time on that one, and because I would have loved to see him in a Super Bowl, is Wesley Walker. I Ooh. absolutely loved him, idolized him as a kid, and would have loved to see that. Hmm. Glenn, if you could relive one iconic Vikings play with you cool. actually in the stands, which play would it be and why? Yeah, that, that one's an easy one. And that one's a, a very, a fairly recent one. The guys will probably agree. Um, th there were a lot going back when I was a kid and they had some really good moments, but that 2017 season, they call it the Minneapolis miracle. Yeah. And, um, you know, the Vikings were ahead in that game against the saints and then they gave up the lead and then, uh, they're, they got the ball back. Now they were behind after winning the whole game by a field goal by three points. And they got the ball with 15 seconds left. And I mean, they were dead. There was, you know, that was it. I was completely exhausted from the game and, you know, saying, here we go, another Viking blown, blown game. And with 15 seconds left, they had the ball. Um, they moved a, a few yards and then one last play. We had a backup quarterback that year, Case Keenum, and he just threw up a prayer to Stefan Diggs. He caught it right at the sideline, still 40 yards from scoring a touchdown. Everyone wanted him to run out in the split second, but he had the wherewithal to stay on his feet and he scored a touchdown and that was it. They won the game and it was the place erupted. I've been out there to U.S. Bank Stadium. I went out two years later 
and it's loud and it is it's like a college environment everyone's in purple and faces painted and the place was really going crazy i I, w- I wish i was there if there was one moment that i wish i was out in minnesota to watch a game that would have been it because that was just that was just great i think i was yeah. jumping i know i was jumping around and then there were videos all over social media because some people and their family members had the wherewithal to video their beloved ones reacting to that. One guy I remember somewhere, wherever he was, probably not in Minnesota because it was January, but he uh, he ran out his kitchen sliders and he jumped into his pool in in elation. And, and uh, you know, so social media was getting big back then. So I, I kind of wish I, you know, I had that film, my reaction, because it was it was incredible. All right, guys, getting to my seat. So, Jeff, why don't you ask a question? I, Jeff, ask Glenn, Michael. Hmm. All right, so I'm going to go with Michael because this answer could be tough for him. Who is the GOAT? The, the greatest NFL player of all time or the greatest Jet yes. of all time? The greatest player. NFL player of all time. Oh, that's a tough one. That one's putting him on the spot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wow. You're going, you're going offense, defense, or does it, uh, any player? Because you think any side of the, the game, any side of the ball. Lawrence Taylor, right? I agree. Mm. I agree. Game changer. Redefine the role. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Yeah, sorry to disrespect uh, Michael, but I have to go with Brady. I mean, he's the obvious choice, but I think, um, you know, I, I the guy, just the mindset even. every Think about every veteran that wanted to go there that joined the team afterwards so that they could get a ring, and then the guys who went to Tampa to get – I think his mindset as much as his talent sets him apart. See, I, I can't give it to Brady because I obviously grew up in the Joe Montana era, and I view him still. I, Brady's got seven Super Bowls, phenomenal going to Tampa Bay and bringing them. Um, so I don't want to discredit it, but I, I, I would go with Michaels from the standpoint, he redefined the position itself and the way it was schemed. And I, Brady benefited in the earlier years, I think, from Belichick and those defenses and those teams, which is great. I mean, they were a great combination. Um, but look, you can't go wrong either way. I mean, they're both phenomenal answers. Yeah. 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 Not Tom Brady. That's not a phenomenal answer. <laughs> Says the Jets fan. <laughs> well, I yeah, like he's your good arrival. Jeff's good arrival. Uh, Mahomes is right on his tail right now at 28. So yeah, we shall see. In 10 years. Yeah, I, I kind of need with. Andy Reid to retire so that Mahomes comes back to earth a little bit. Start with Kelsey, too, because uh, that could be a lot different when he goes. All right, so wait, Hopefully maybe you he, two can so explain to me. Up and go on the Taylor Swift tour, Jeff. So, so Jeff, uh, you, you actually think Mahomes is a system quarterback? No, no, I don't think he's a systems quarterback, not even oh. close. But I think oh, – Okay. And – Going along what Glenn said, I, I think Mahomes has achieved more than Brady did at his age, has oh. physically more gifts than Brady has, 
But I think he's also benefiting tremendously from Reed's scheming, his ability to call plays. And, you know, as Glenn pointed out, I mean, Kelsey, how the hell does Kelsey constantly get open? You watch him run his routes. And I just routes. said that to he somebody last week. He finds a dead spot in his own. He just he spot, finds a dead spot in his own. He sits down. And he, he doesn't run patterns. He runs the space. No. He's a basketball player. Why, he plays for 13 football. years, is there a dead spot in the zone? Why isn't one guy on his, like a spy? Like, you have to have, he's that good. I, if I was a defensive coordinator, I would just say, you, you're on him. Kyle Hamilton last week should have just been on him. Forget the line of scrimmage and blitzing or freelancing in the zone. Just Kyle Hamilton cover him. Agreed. Now the Niners, who on the Niners can do that? Fred Warner, maybe. Trey Greenlaw. See, Denise is fast. Denise, this is what getting we getting hardcore now. We, we think we're actually better than the, the NFL line. <laughs> and, and I, I love and, this. And that, see, and, and that's you what got... makes fandom. Fantastic, right? Like three. It totally does. Who, who, it totally puts does. the fanatics after the fan. <laughs> but you guys, you guys are so mellow. I mean, I I've seen the screamers. I've heard the screamers. Um, and I mean, I don't know what it looks like in your private homes, but this is this is a very civilized conversation, and I'm actually learning a lot. All right, Glenn. If one of the three ask, teams yeah. was playing right now and there was a minute left in the game in the background, it'd probably be a little different <laughs> <Yeah>. story. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. All right. Well, keep rolling with it, Glenn. Ask a question, Jeff or Michael. Mm. Question for both of you guys. Because um, there were some weird plays, and I'm, I'm remembering one in particular from last week in the Kansas City-Baltimore game. If there was one rule that you could change in the game Ugh. tomorrow, what would it be? <laughs> I'll ask it for Michael first, but then Jeff, let's hear your answer. Yeah, I think he's going to take it. Probably, I, yeah, I think he probably agreed. You know, when you fumble yeah. the ball out out of the end zone, and it's a touchback, it's, it's yeah. single dumbest rule in in the NFL. I, I don't get it. It makes zero sense, and that changed that game. I've seen a recent place though where it's pretty fuzzy and gray and I had interviewed um a, an expert while well, a podcaster basically who's will be releasing that uh, soon and and I asked him the same question and he said you know one rule that I would change is if we could hear the essentially you know the the re if the replays and and the refs are are discussing it essentially if we could if everybody could hear that the discussion so there's more transparency is how they arrived at, at that, um, um, I guess, at the call, if, if you will. Because there were some, when there are a few games, recent games, where there was a discussion whether it really counted as, as a fumble or, or not, because it was a, a part of the body part that made it over the line. And, and it had to do with basically uh, when the ball left the hands. I, I, again, I'm not entirely sure, but... Uh, it seems like there, there's a, there's still a lot of gray. There is a lot of yeah, gray because there's a lot of different angles. But yeah, it, it, I think he's what he's talking about is hearing what the refs are discussing to make it right. transparent. Because when they come back, yeah, a lot of times as a as a viewer, as a fan, you're saying, "How did they come up with that?" When the replay showed right. that, you know, you want to hear what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, uh, Michael. 
Let you ask a question. You know, kind of, kind, yeah, kind of on the uh, on the rules thing uh, up to both of them. I would like, in your own words, to define what a catch in the NFL is. <laughs> That's a great question. That's a great question. Well, okay, by the textbook, you have to have possession, two steps, and a football move. Yeah. So that's football the definition. Move. Yeah. What, what, what exactly what is the football, football move? move? Right. Well, if you're Des Bryant, it's reaching out the ball to extend your yardage you're receiving on the play. If you're Megatron, it's catching it in the end zone, getting you two feet down. That there's nothing else for you to do. You've caught it. You've got your two feet in. That is a football move. And the NFL would disagree with me on those. But, um, yeah, I agree. What the heck is a catch anymore? And to the point of going back to if we could hear the refs and what they're discussing and what their thought process is, that might help us a little bit. Because as Glenn said, we'd hear the call afterwards and be like, are they watching the same thing we're watching? Right. Yeah. Right. That, that is a great question. It's, I don't have another answer either. I mean, it, it's a bizarre definition. Um, I heard one announcer say, a catch is a catch when you watch it and you know it's a catch. You know, and that, whatever that means. It's like, it's, yeah. it's obvious when somebody's hands are two hands on the ball or that's cradled against their chest. And I think they've made it confusing for fans with this football move. Like, if Without you're a question. referee or you're a fan of the game for a long time, you know what a catch is. It's like, so. Okay. I have a question now for each of you. Same question. And I'm going to give you some, some time to think about it, so I'll ask you a follow-up question that's easy. But this first question I want you to each think about is, so you have a chance, so picture the scenario. You have a chance to swap one player from your team with any player from your biggest rival team just mm -hmm. for the Super Bowl? And who would you swap and how do you think it would change the game? So think about that. And I'm going to ask In you history or just right now? In history um, or right it, now? It, it, you know, that's, I say right now. Right now makes it right more now. fun. Let's, let's go right now. Let's go correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So think about it. And let me ask you this second question here. Uh, <laughs> again, for all of you. If your team spirit could be an iconic song, which one would you play every time you're, whenever your team basically took the field? And whichever would like to go first. Well, the song's easy for me because any Metallica song goes with the Raiders. So that's pretty <laughs> simple. For Whom the Bell Tolls, uh, One, yeah. Master of Puppets, any of those songs goes perfectly with the Raiders game. Okay. And if I'm swapping song, a player, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes and I'm giving them <laughs> whoever our worst play. I'm giving them the water boy from our team. <laughs> he doesn't want to take any chances. Giving no, them a no. backup center. Exactly. That's a good one. That's a good one. Wow. I hate to my, say my it. Teams, I would go ahead. No, you go ahead, Glenn. Go ahead. <laughs> having trouble thinking of a, a like a uh, inspirational song off the top of my head but i one song i do remember when i was out in minnesota during that great season where they missed the field goal i was out the week before 
and they play right before the kickoff in the dome, Welcome to the Jungle, Guns N' Roses. And the place yeah. is just like erupting. Like I can't even, I know the other, other team, they're professionals, but when you hear that and you feel the adrenaline going through, it almost feels like you, the team can't lose. Um, player is a, is a tough one for me because Aaron Rodgers is gone and he's old and hopefully Michael, he wins a Super Bowl for you next year. But in the division, uh, that, that, that one's a hard one. I might take, uh, I'm, I'm thinking Armand Ross St. Brown, because if I put him on the team with the Vikings with Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, whether it's Kirk Cousins or me, Jeff or Michael, I think we'd probably have the best passing attack in the league and nobody would be able to stop us because that guy, that guy is good. That guy is real good. So pairing him with Jefferson would, would be pretty big deal. So I've been at Jets playoff games as few as they have been over the years, right? Where they played Welcome to the Jungle and the place goes crazy. So I would have to go with that. Uh, same, same answer as Glenn. I mean, it just gets the crowd going. They go nuts. Um, look, it's a no brainer in the AFC East. Give me Josh Allen and let's yeah. go. I love that. <laughs> like, go. Let's go. Give me Josh Allen, please. Go, He's, a <laughs> He's a beast. Yeah. So last question for all three of you, if you guys were, if, if you got hired as a GM for, I don't know, let's say for a season, uh, but what is the, you could make one, what, what is the first decision you'd make? What is the first change that you would institute? And don't think about it too hard. I'd replace the entire offensive line of the New York Jets. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. That's very resolute. Okay. Be a trade, be a draft, whatever. <laughs> if I was the GM for the Vikings right now, I would A, not bring back Kirk Cousins, like him, really good guy, great dad. He's 36, coming off an Achilles. Boy have me back on if they do sign him and that will not be as pretty an episode. So I would, <laughs> I would mortgage the future. I would trade this year's first, next year's first, the year after first, but I would do whatever I had to do to move up to get, I don't like Caleb Williams. I don't know what you guys think of him or I, I would try to get uh, Drake May or Jaden Daniels, who are two of the top three quarterback prospects. They need to restart it. And um, I don't know if you guys knew, but I did hear the Vikings, I think are the only team or one of two teams that has never drafted a quarterback in the top 10 in their entire history. So it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. So my answer is pretty similar to Glenn's. The Raiders have only drafted a quarterback in the first round once, Todd Movinovich, and that failed miserably. <laughs> Yes, we have a history of just taking castaways from other teams. As I mentioned earlier, Jim Plunkett and whatnot. I think we need to get a, a top tiered quarterback in there because nowadays it's just not a sit back pocket passer. In our division, you need some mobility. You need you need a top five quarterback back there to compete with Mahomes, to keep with Josh, uh, with Herbert, with whoever's going to quarterback for Denver next year. Who the hell knows that? But 
Hmm. I would trade up as well. Raiders have done pretty well with castaway quarterbacks. Rich Gannon, Jim Plunkett, you know. A lot so better than the Jets have done with their first round quarterback selections. <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah, that worked. I think that worked in a different era and before the huge dollars being paid to quarterbacks. I, I you can't just bring in a guy like that anymore. It doesn't it doesn't nobody's gonna give up a guy like that who's in their prime. So but I, I but I, I also think want to bring that guys. In, I also want to bring Would you to take reality, Justin though. Fields? Sorry, would I phone. take Justin Fields? He 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 would not be my preference. I mean, I I would take okay. him potentially as a bridge, but I I'd, I'd want a young quarterback. And I'm just going to say, I mean, you're right. You have to draft the right quarterback. But the Jets have taken Mark Sanchez, all right, Sam Darnold, and we all know the absolutely awful draft pick of Zach Wilson. And it sets your franchise back significantly when you draft that wrong. So, I don't know. I'd welcome. I've thought about us. that for the Jets. I really have. And you can't. You're right. You can't just have the quarterback. You have to have the good off either offensive head coach or offensive coordinator. You, I agree with you, Jeff. Mahomes would be great wherever he was, but I don't think he'd be this great without Andy Reid. And mm -hmm. think about Michael. Would they pair with Darnold? Was it the great Adam Gase who really stinks? Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he well, had coached Peyton Manning, so I could have had coached Peyton Manning. And so I don't think the Jets have ever properly, if you think, maybe that'd be interesting. A lot of Jet fans are what? Like, what's the recent 12-year history? Who did they pair these quarterbacks with that have failed? I mean, Sanchez was with uh, Rex Ryan. Uh, that, that was his not an coach. offensive coach you know defensive-minded guy you know that was the defensive-minded team and uh and look you had uh zach wilson who was supposed to come in and, and and have a west coast offense and just crush it and he's a deer in headlights i don't think I, it's so it's like they, look the jets have not hired well in the coaching arena either i'm not you know, it's a, it's a shit franchise right now uh, as far as hiring good coaches. Uh, but I'm just saying, you draft a quarterback high, you might pay the price. Brock Purdy, man. Lester irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Last Lester, and he's on the because, because, he's with, because he's with Shanahan. Because he's with Shanahan. Wow. No, Jared Goff with, is with Ben Johnson. I mean, I, I kind of see those two, like, you kind of have to have. Purdy threw 12,000 12, yards in college. He was no slouch. He was just small, so that everybody passed on him. He was a really good quarterback for Iowa State. Who do you want to win the Super Bowl, Glenn? I was just going to ask question. that question. Um, Sorry, there's only one answer. There's only one answer. <laughs> you can't, Glenn. You can't. <laughs> I, I, you know what, I, it's the same thing. I'm not, I never was a Brady fan because I, the Jets are actually my second favorite team. They really are. And the Raiders, I like as a viewer, Jeff. But, um, I always respected Brady and, and his work ethic and his intensity and the, his leadership. And a quarterback to me needs to be a good leader. And, and watching that whole Netflix thing last year, they showed Kirk in a good light, but they, Mahomes, how hard he was. You know, I respect the guy and, and 
I don't know. It's hard. I don't like the 49ers. I, so I'm probably I'm going to I'm going to go with how the game goes. I'm not even really deciding. Usually I'll decide mid-game who I kind of want. So I don't have a strong opinion either way. Who do you want? I'm I'm going to go against my buddy, man. I'm going to I'm going to go I I would love to I love the story of Brock Purdy, so I will not be upset if the 49ers win this game. All right? And I and I love C Mac. He's just a phenomenal player. I would love to see Mahomes catch Brady and just knock this bullshit off with Brady being like the greatest quarterback <laughs> in the history of the NFL. <laughs> Let's go, Mahomes. I, Get another I'm one. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, Jeff, we know we know who you're rooting for, obviously, right? It's okay. Yeah, you, you right. I just don't like anybody <laughs> here right now. It's okay. <laughs> but don't say obviously. I, I, hedged. I think your problem is is Kyle Shanahan against Bagnola. I don't like that matchup. Spagnola is a Hall of Fame defensive coordinator, guys. I, I think. Guys, yeah, without question. Damn good. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't agree, like that. Matchup. But let's let's go back to last week's game against Baltimore. I think, and I think Michael, you and I spoke about this. Baltimore lost the game. Yes, Chiefs didn't question. win the game. They wouldn't run the so ball. Baltimore went away from Jackson's strengths. I think they passed eighty-five percent of the time. And they didn't go with what got them there. And Spagnuolo, yeah, he did well. But it was more dropped passes. It was the reaching for the goal line. It was the taunting penalties. It was the penalties that the KC players were able to get from Baltimore players that gave KC that game. So I, I, Spags is awesome, yes. But it's also, they played right into their hands. So hopefully the Niners The moment, the moment was too big. We'll see if the moment's too yeah. big for Brock Purdy yeah. or not. It's a great point, yeah, Michael. Yeah. He he's he's great. He's been cool, but that's a that's a big spotlight. And I think um, like a Lamar Jackson, the guy's the MVP. The moment was too big. Look, Purdy showed up in the second half of that game last week. I mean, he he had a hell of a second half. You are. And, and if you're yeah. if you're if you're a Ravens fan and a Lions fan right now, if you're a Ravens fan, you're jumping off a bridge because you may never host the AFC Championship uh, game again against Matt Holmes. You had it. You had the opportunity yep. and you failed. And you failed not doing what got you there. The Lions lost, but at least they lost doing what they've done all year. Gambling on fourth down in odd situations. You have to be really happy as a Lions fan. As a Ravens fan, you got to name a bridge in Baltimore. Like uh, they're going to jump off. Wow. Okay. Welcome. Well, well, I listen. say welcome to the misery, Baltimore. Welcome to the misery. <laughs> <laughs> See, now we're leaving the the best for last. Dang it, we're gonna have to. We'll have to continue this. I, what 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 do I tell you? Hey guys, that's the final whistle on today's Beyond the Bar podcast. A huge shout out to Glenn, Jeff, and Michael for bringing the heat and heart of football right into our conversation, and to our listeners and viewers. Thanks for tuning in and joining the huddle. You can also link up with these guys by clicking on their contact info below. And don't forget to follow us. Hit like and subscribe for more of the Beyond a Bar action. Stay curious, stay driven, and until next time, keep your game strong and your spirits high.